Hi, welcome to Planet NOLA. I'm your host, Mary Jacobs. This is the podcast where I talk to people in the city of New Orleans that I think are cool, doing cool things, inspiring things, fun things, just folks that I'd like want to shine some light on. And today, I have a very old friend with me, my old buddy, Charlie Shelley. We've known each other since we were like 13, 14, maybe. Um, Charlie is a lawyer in the city. He's also a huge advocate here for the local bike community. Um, and a lot of other things. You you wear many hats as well, right? Uh, I feel like the, the intro's over, so we can just go. Oh, straight. that was so good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, some some of my hats are just me being obnoxious about things, and then being to the point where I'm loud enough that some like I that people start asking me for help on things, and I'm like, oh, okay, are you sure you want to ask me? But that was, yeah, I try not to be. Uh, I try not to take on too many things. It's hard sometimes. I know. Ex I literally know exactly what you mean. I think when you are the loudest one in the room about anything, people look to you as a leader. Yeah. Because you're somebody articulating stuff, and not everyone can even articulate what they're feeling. So if you're comfortable articulating it, yeah, people are going to come ask you for help. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a leader sometimes. I, I mean, I guess I am. Okay. Well, if you, that. if you needed any confirmation, I will give you my New Orleans stamp of leader approval. You are absolutely a leader. You're a leader in your community. Like 150%. I feel like that's another reason why I started this podcast is because there's a lot of folks that don't really see that big picture. Like you play such a really beautiful role in the city. Thank you. Do you think that's true? I, I want to. Yeah, yeah, I think it's true. I think you're actively like leaving your legacy, you know? So will you talk a little bit? So I say you're a lawyer. There's a million kinds of lawyers in the yeah. world. So can you dive a little bit more into what kind of law you do? Yeah, so um, I didn't ever, well, no, like I said the opposite of that. I never, I always wanted to be a lawyer, but um, I didn't think I was smart enough for it. Oh. My parents were like, you know, you, you just keep arguing with this all the time. <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> so I like, I went to, to social work school because I was like, no, I want to be, I want to be one of these people, mm -hmm. one of these do-gooders. And um, there was a student there who, um, you know, wanted to help me get into the dual degree program. And I was like, but everybody said I wouldn't, like, basically they didn't say, but they made me feel like I wouldn't be good enough to at reading comprehension to read it all oh and my god not read like they didn't say that but i was always like kind of a slower reader in school so like oh you just read the whole time in law school and it's oh, so yeah. much but uh so they made me feel like i could do it and so i did and i got in and i um what law school did you go to Tulane. Tulane. And I kicked ass at it. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I'm actually shocked that you ever felt like you couldn't. I've yeah. my perception of you ever since we were kids is that you were incredibly intelligent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that might be weird to hear. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, I think when I like got got clean and stuff like that, I was trying to make my life kind of smaller for a while, and I was like, do I do I want to do everything that I used to want to do? Mm -hmm. And kind of interestingly, it turned out that most of the things that I wanted to do back then I ended up being able to do which is kind of cool yeah so you're sober yeah yeah this is a hard city to be sober in or like I think it's a city where a lot of people get sober it's either that or they have to leave here to get sober and then but you know if you're from here it's like I don't know I was in Tennessee man and I was like there were a lot of sober people in Tennessee and like Nashville and like um 
I was like, why would you? This place is boring to be so. Like, it's just <laughs> so. I don't know. Like, I'd rather like the only point you'd go to live entertainment or like live stuff would be like to drink or like uh, listen to country music. Yeah, this sounds maybe a little small-minded, but when I went to Nashville and other parts of Tennessee, there's only one kind of music, and that's it. And so it gets boring, I imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, in that region, it's there's a few different kinds of music, but it's all white people music. <laughs> Nashville is a very white person identity. and I, Like, West Tennessee. Wait, when did you live in Nashville? When did you move back? You were gone. I didn't even know you were gone. Just 2013. Oh, just one year. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I've never heard the perspective that New Orleans is actually better to be sober in. But when you say it like that, I'm like, oh, because there is so much to do. People are like, yeah, you get drunk at everything. But actually, you don't have to get drunk at everything. There's, But there's still so many things to do and see and participate in. I think you have to have a, a somewhat of a tolerance for drunk people, which I, well, I do, fortunately. So That is good. And you yeah. also, I think also, like what you said, some people have to leave where they're at. Being from here is so different because, I mean, I know for a fact you're close to your family. And so yeah, yeah. it's... I can't imagine ever leaving for any reason, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of here for it. You can take that off if it's easier. Just put it down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it, it is easier. Um, yeah, that's what's up. Okay, so someone had told you you were smart enough to go to law school. You went to law school, and you were like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Um, so I try to tell people that now if they're, like, the kind of person that I was, which is, you know, I don't know, anybody cares about anything. Um, and... There were a lot of people like me in law school, but I seemed to be the only one who, like, so there were some people who were, like, they were, like, mothers, and they, like, needed to get into work, like, be making money when they left. Mm -hmm. And um, so I get that. Uh, but a lot of people, and maybe they're wise for this, I don't know, but, like, I didn't want to get a job at insurance defense when I left. Yeah. I just didn't. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe one day I'll still have to. Um, no. I we, hope not. But, but you've always, like, it's kind of how you said you wanted to go into social work because you were, like, a do-gooder. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it makes sense that it when you go into your legal work, you're going to be trying to, like, lean more towards the good guy side. So what exactly kind of legal work do you do now? Um, I, after I finished clerking, um, I decided, well, let's see, I was running, I was, no, I was, I was volunteering with the um, Renters Rights Assembly, and this was like right before COVID, and I, I started to care about that. So can you explain the Renters Rights Assembly to people that have no idea what that is? Yeah. It's, I, it's exactly what it sounds like, but I think that people might need some exposition. Right, yeah. I, I, I told them that I was going to, quote unquote, gas them up before I came in, because <laughs> they, they want me to go canvassing for them later today, and I'm like... I should go, but I don't really want to. Dude, <laughs> it's so cold to canvas. Oh, my God. I know. But it's really... Um, We're recording this on that very cold day in January that everyone will remember when this comes out. Yeah, the one cold day. It will be Hopefully probably the will. only cold day. Yeah. But like, so before COVID, they were like, I don't know, they'd have like weekly meetings. And, and I was, before, before I was even an attorney, I would like go and hang out with this other attorney and like, I would help with they would have legal consultations so they give legal consult to people that are renters yeah I mean, basically not, like with shitty landlords yeah we're just you know i i, I started doing them kind of once i became an attorney and a lot of it's like giving them form letters and stuff to send to or like advice on how to sue their landlords and stuff mm -hmm. um we're not i shouldn't say advice but um 
guidance Aid. on how to soothe our landlords. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so I so you're talking about the renters assembly yeah and and i don't know oh and then covid hit i was sworn in to practice in june no july of 2020 and so so in the middle of covid you became a lawyer yeah so the um in that period so the beginning of covid we had like the eviction court closed down um just by the city and i think there might have been a state moratorium for a while um then they reopened and it was before Congress, you know, got, you know, d- decided to do anything at all. So there was this gap in um, moratoria, basically, for tenants. So we were like, I was still going to these meetings <clears throat> now on Zoom. And we were like, I think the numbers were like, there's going to be like 30 million people in danger of being evicted. In New Orleans? No, no, I'm no, about to no. say 30 million. We don't have 30 million here. No, no, no. But no, in, no. Like, in the country. Around right? the country. So yeah. you're saying that there was a gap between when there was a moratorium on rent and when we got any of those aid checks. Well, yeah. And there was a federal eviction moratorium in September of 2020, and it lasted until earlier this year yeah <laughs> uh, until the supreme court said that they had to get rid of it basically um and it was so you know and then we had the hurricane so that sort of made ours last a little bit longer fortunately um but so i was like what the hell are people gonna do <clears throat> and um i realized that you know i was clerking in court and so i saw a lot of like you know just these terrible attorneys just go up and try these just awful cases and stuff and I was like, you know, I could do, I'm not as bad as this person. I, could, <laughs> I mean, but like, so like I could, I could do this and it's something that I want to do. So I started my own uh, practice. And at first I was like worried, like, cause I didn't know a hundred percent what to do. And so um, I would just sort of like ask the attorney who used to help me with the consults and she'd like help me figure out everything to do. And I would just go to eviction court and like just try to make an appearance for them and get and get their moratorium recognized by the judges because it was so new. And these landlords would come in and be like, what the hell is this? And then they'd go home and they wouldn't be able to evict their tenant because they had the moratorium. Um, and it felt like I was like kicking ass because I'm like, yeah. it was really just a piece of paper. But <laughs> you were just like, no, there's a moratorium. You can't kick that yeah. out. But like that is so essential because it's like the the landlords are going to gonna try to do it no matter what. Oh, and the, even yeah. though there was a hold on rent, there right. are still landlords in our city. I'm probably across with mm-hmm. the entire country that are trying to evict people, even though the federal government and the local government are like, no, actually. Yeah. Well, and they don't have to pay rent right now. Right. And and the problem was that even though that's true, even though you're not supposed to, there's supposed to be penalties for landlords who do that. And can it be up to like $100,000 if one of the tenants dies after you evict them or something like that? Woo. And not a single person has been charged with anything, any any fine. It's not a criminal offense, it's civil, but the Justice so, Department's supposed to enforce it and they you know, haven't done anything. So there are landlords who, and I'm suing least one of them who did throw someone out in the middle of the moratorium and um even without taking them to trial or anything and um so like yeah but the justice department's not going to do anything yeah it's it's kind of like you can't do this but we're not going to do anything about it if you do yeah i mean that's 
That's how this country. So works. you're kind of you're the you're the lawyer that's keeping people in their houses in the middle of a pandemic. I was well, you know, I was doing one of it. many of the lawyers that is doing this work. That's the kind of work you're. Doing. I was the one who didn't know what he was doing. But then <laughs> I was, you know, I was learning what I was doing, and I was like getting my feet. It's was, almost two years. How do you feel now that you've been you've been lawed up? I feel like I still have no idea. <laughs> But you've done a lot of really good work. Yeah, yeah. You also no, give I people just, their security deposits back, which I f- love. That So that was one of my original things where I started to feel like, okay, I can do this because I would just write demand letters to, to landlords. And a lot of times... Okay, so I want to preface this that like if you've ever been a renter and you've never gotten your security deposit back, you know the feeling of how much rage enters your body when you leave that apartment and you're like everything is pristine mm-hmm. and yet you get to keep however many hundreds of dollars that I gave you as like a a promise that I'll keep this place nice it is so they'll be like oh the paint was chipping in the bedroom right it's so messed up and the that was actually that was actually the first thing that made me think like maybe I should do housing and stuff because they passed a new law in 2018 that basically brought Louisiana in line with most of the other states that says that you know if they don't return your deposit in 30 days after you give them your forwarding address um, after the lease is ended um, then you can sue for three times the amount of the portion that was wrongfully withheld and that's Damn, a lot of money. Damn, hell yeah. And you could even possibly get attorney's fees. So I started thinking like, man, there's nobody nobody wants to do these. I was later understood why nobody would make an entire practice taking these cases. It's it's harder than it sounds right. in the sense that you know, they could also sue for attorney's fees, stuff like that. Right. And you know, like $1200 deposit times 3 3600 that's a lot for a person it's a lot for a person for the legwork of the legal work yeah people start what it to them they only lost 1200 so like they see the 36 is like maybe it's something that could be awarded um Mm -hmm. but like you know a lot of times they just i understand don't don't want to go through it yeah um but i was just (laughs) i was writing a settlement letter for one of the the early cases that I took. It's the only one that like I I still have from like I think it was the might have been the first lawsuit I ever actually filed with my name on it. And we're still going on. I know it takes forever. Well, this dude was dodging. He was he was hiding from the people who were trying to serve him and allegedly that's that's what one of my servers said and classic. Yeah, but uh I mean it's it, we got him though and you know we're working on it. But um so why do you feel so strongly about this? What is your uh, your tie that binds? Oh man! I mean, besides the fact that it's the correct thing to <laughs> that's well, man. I mean, it's like I don't, the justice of it. Uh, I guess like why do I? I don't know why do I. So there's like a million things that um, I care about, and I could probably eat with equal concern or like moral vigor fortitude yeah take this on and be like this is important um so i don't really know but well i i I can give answers and that's like you know after katrina and people lost their public housing and stuff and it was demolished Mm -hmm. and then you know so how the legacy of how they built the city back to be like 
to not give people the right to come back, basically. Um, yeah, if about. people are listening to this and they maybe are post-Katrina people and they don't really know the history of Katrina race relations and basically our very corrupt city took it upon themselves to make Katrina a way to expunge poor people from our city in, in whatever way they could. And a big way they did that was getting rid of thousands and thousands of units of public housing. So yeah, the way that... I- the way that I look at it now or like think about it is that under um, Clinton, I think they changed the federal housing law mm-hmm. to make it a lot worse. And so we had all these public housing, like tens of thousands of people could get Section 8, you know, housing. And, you know, they had to live in often really terrible conditions. But like those projects were like built. They were like immaculate when they were first built, and they were um, considered some of like the greatest, you know. <laughs> when designs. were those projects built? Man, they were in the early 1900s, I think. And, and they it were feels origin- like they didn't touch them from then on. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was another. That was a big problem. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, like yeah, but there, there's no, you know, it's just neglect. But like by the city and by the um, state, but what. What happened was, so there were like there was an amendment to the to the that the that Congress put forth that required that for any new public housing build, you couldn't you had to get rid of one basically. <laughs> it's called the Faircloth Amendment. It's still in law, um, and so what's the logic there? What, why does it make any sense? I have no idea. I know that I was reading about it last year. Just like my mouth was like wide open, really like reading this and being like this is why there's not enough public housing it's like a neutral it's like you tear one down to build a new one but you can't during the big yeah like budget neutrality nonsense of the 90s and shit but like it doesn't make sense well i know it makes sense they just didn't want to have poor people but yeah let's say it makes sense they just want to disenfranchise poor people as much as possible all the time so like when and then at the same time they had these new hope six um designs for housing projects which was supposed to be like um the way they they think about it was like instead of putting everybody together um because that's broken windows theory you don't want to have all the same low-income people together because who knows what they might god forbid but um and you know some of their arguments were more convincing than that i suppose but um to put mixed income within those neighborhoods and stuff like that but what it really did was just extremely um, restrictively to limit the amount of housing that could be built because yeah, a lot of private developers, you couldn't force them to, you can't force them to build all Section 8. Um, right. And so, and then with 2006, when they voted to tear down the housing projects, um, city council did that vote. It's and, so wild yeah. to me that it was 2006 they tore those those projects down. Katrina hit in 2005. I could be wrong about that. I just know that... Even uh, if it were two or three years after, the fact that it was so fast, it was like yeah. such an immediate well, decision. It gets crazier than that, and that's that there were protests about it. People from the housing developments didn't wanted to happen and so they they went to protest they locked them out and um they had the police like tase them and stuff and i wrote a op-ed years ago criticizing 
uh, city councilwoman Stacy Head for saying something derogatory about poor people and noting the fact that she was kind of the one who was like send in the clown she was the one that sent the cops she was like essentially smirking at it at the event she was there she didn't care at all and anyway yeah she's rude she's bad um i don't have respect for somebody like that i don't blame you i feel like the disenfranchisement of all of our city's most impoverished people is like the history of new orleans now i feel like especially post Katrina I feel like that has been the missions on so many of these things that have passed it's like how can we push out as many poor people as possible yeah and that now people are starting to push push back and be like well maybe 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 that was important not to do but the thing is is that like so once we get rid of those housing projects now we can't build new ones because oh the grandfathering end of the amendment fair cloth amendment we can't build anymore we had them we tore them down there's no we can't but they couldn't rebuild them there even though that because they said one down one up or it's just been too long yeah that's my understanding of it like yeah. and there's no will you know there was no there's no will anymore anywhere to to have that kind of mission yeah. to put like low-income people first or like make their lives not terrible and so you know in a, in a lot of ways, I think after Katrina, it hit us quickly because we were an opportunity, like the shock doctrine, you know, we were like opportunity to like implement these radical liberal changes all at once. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just everywhere now. That's the yeah. whole country and they'll do it as soon as they get the chance anywhere. Yeah, you're not wrong. I feel like the housing situation in New Orleans right now is just the most bleak I've ever seen it. I mean, I feel like people say this all of the time, but it only feels to be getting worse. Yeah. Um, The hurricane, I don't know. I don't know the – I mean, I know that the hurricane made it a lot worse. It took a lot of stuff off the market. Are you talking about Katrina? No, Ida. Ida. Yeah, this year we had – last year we had Ida. Yeah, Ida. Yeah, I I knew you were talking about Ida. I was like, listen, you can't say the hurricane because (laughs) in my brain there is still one, the hurricane. Right. So Ida – Ida was nuts. So many things came off the market, but also a lot of people left and did not come back. Yeah, you would think, but I I think it must have taken more houses, at least temporarily offline. Well, that that. checks out, yeah. And also, I mean, that's the other, like, uh, insurance is just not paying these people. And so if, uh, I'm not defending, like landlords or anything but if you are a landlord and you have to like fix something yeah if you got to pay the bills um and all of a sudden you're not getting fifty thousand out of your claim to fix the roof or whatever i mean that yeah <laughs> you got to get it from somewhere and exactly and people still have to go to their t- so it's really maybe people know. shouldn't own houses as businesses i don't know that's just an idea yeah if, i mean ideally if they, if they can't invest in it you know what i'm saying like oh you can't fix this big thing you bought as a business plan then Maybe about a good business for you. <laughs> that's that's true, but then we who are the people it's a good business plan for? It's it's the people who can afford it. And the people who can afford it are the worst ones. Will never afford they will never give us the time. I think the smaller people who might like be Like the people that own like one or two is what you're saying. Yeah. And they're not yeah. all good, but like um 
but like even the ones who were kind of like jerks um they're at least like they have to face their tenant mm-hmm. you know and it's hard unless you're like a sociopath yeah that makes sense it's not like a big property developer where there's like people that right. come down and like there's not like a long line yeah, um charlie we have it. to take a break oh wow okay cool how, how do you feel about that okay we're gonna that's take good. a break we'll we'll break we'll be right back This week's episode of Planet NOLA is brought to you by Vitality Community Fitness, a group training facility located in Metairie, Louisiana. Vitality prioritizes their members with accessible workouts for anybody, any gender, any size, any ability. I'm a little biased because I do co-own this business, and I got to say we've got one of the best communities around, really great coaches, really good vibes. So if you're interested in trying out our gym, Go to our website, vitalitycommunityfitness.com, click the contact form, and you get three free classes in a week. So come check us out. And we're back to Planet NOLA. I'm Mary. I'm here with my buddy, Charlie. We've been talking about um, Renters' Rights Assembly. We've been talking about um, the climate for renters in our city and the disenfranchisement of the lowest income people. We've talked about a lot of things. Charlie's a lawyer. If you didn't listen to the first half, I don't know why you'd be listening now, but uh. <laughs> we're going to jump into uh, one of your other big passions, which is you are a huge advocate for the bicycling community in New Orleans. Sound dorky to say bicycling community. What do you say? Bike? Bikers? I like <laughs> I did, and then I realized that people think I'm talking about motorcycles. motorcycles. But, um, so... Oh, the the way to really make it um, ring, be be very salient to people is to say like vulnerable road users, which is the technical term I think, um, or one of the vulnerable road users. That's people that's pedestrians too. Yeah, and so it yeah. includes any or like somebody who uses public transit possibly, or okay. someone who uses a wheelchair probably, um, but. We have a huge city full of people that don't have cars. We've got a large population of people here that don't have cars. So, yeah. And, oh, the former thing is that New Orleans is funded right to counsel in New Orleans for, mm-hmm. for tenants in eviction court. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So now people will have an attorney in eviction court. Oh, okay, good. going forward. Heck yeah. Um, we had but, to insert that in from the yeah, last point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, and that's in part thanks to the Renters' Rights Assembly, which I'm not a part of, but I do stuff with. Yeah. Um, but, so, in terms of... <laughs> Do you need a second? No, no. I just I just like to do this, but I think... Um, <laughs> if you're not watching us on YouTube, maybe you should. I think that the issue is people... Okay, this is the, this is the stupidness of it. People um, tend to look at fighting about um, bikes as some kind of like, you know go back to berkeley type stuff oh my god you're so right and um and honestly in many cities that is how it is well my dad is a old school new orleanian yet and he could not loathe bicyclists more well your dad's got some crazy opinions yeah i remember from your (laughs) yeah he does but like his hatred for hippies on bikes in his words 
is strong because it's less like why do I have to share the road? And it's like, right, well, right. why is it your road? Well, interesting. The roads were designed for non cars at, at first. Um, and I saw this post talking about like before jaywalking was invented um, as nope. a as a term of art. Um, you know, everybody just sort of used the road together, and that included like you know people with disabilities who needed you know i guess wheelchairs they had back then as well um bikes which were extremely popular in new orleans in the 19th century and now but you know like early i mean i feel like so many other countries still function with pedestrians on the road bicycles on the road cars on the road in unison yeah those okay so but they had to live in a world where all the cars are designed by the same companies which basically just design cars nowadays just to be able to kill people (laughs) so like they have pretty high fatality i mean maybe not in like parts that have like poor infrastructure but like you know like like china like vietnam and like yeah they do really operate in in tandem or india parts but like there's some serious um fatality it's dangerous it's not it's not a perfect system is what you're saying i think i was thinking of like one time i went to denmark Oh, yeah, of course. And Denmark was a bicyclist's heaven. Oh, yeah. Oh, those They have were... a whole other lane completely protected. You have your own signals. Like, and uh, oh, it was so beautiful. And I felt so safe. And in, um, yeah, like Amsterdam. And, and the crazy thing is that in those, and soon to be in Paris, too. Um, but um, because of all those places, they, they used to have like big highways like we have and um then it was always like you know some horrific accidents or like the public health people would look at the data and be like yo it is not safe if you don't own a car um and also like maybe you want to look at how having to drive everywhere harms your quality of life and your lifespan um for that matter and so uh they started to make those changes and people did the same shit they did here where they say like we're never going to do that here whatever right they were saying that back then and then they did it and now all we know is that these places are really great yeah <laughs> uh so it, it's, it's do funny. you feel like we're moving towards those changes at like a real rate i feel like the most change we've gotten is like a couple protected bike lanes with parking right i feel like we have a few of those which streets have converted is it Elysian? No. St. Claude? Elysian, Galvez, soon to be Miro, soon to be Gentilly. So basically now the way the street is set up is it's the street where car traffic goes, the parking lane, right? Yes. And then the bike lane. Or, so instead of parking right on the curb, you're parking like over from the curb. Yeah. that That's really the way that if it's possible to do is the probably the best way to do it. I feel like it makes the most sense. The bike lane is completely protected by a row of parked cars, basically. Because the bollards are the other thing that have been going up around the city. Yeah. And they just get knocked down pretty fast. Some of the yeah, the ones on broad were really just taken off and and they've redone those and it looks a lot better. Oh, they've redone them recently? Yeah, they took those those suckers. You were were really big you were a really big advocate for those bollards. I I was an advocate for yeah all of it. (laughs) Yeah, and then I became an advocate for not making it look like a bunch of missing teeth, you know. <laughs> but I didn't want to, like, but I, I came down kind of hard at first because, you know, 
as I've gotten to know the people in the city who do this stuff, like they're like me, but they work for the city, so they can't really talk and but they care and they they work really hard and so i don't want to like people yell at them and like i think they're on our side i think that well ideally nobody should really so who are you fighting who do you feel like the fight is with um is this all a nickel and dime thing like people just don't want to pay the money to make the infrastructure happen well we have a bunch of money coming it it's so i've gotten in so like fighting, I did I did get in an argument with Jay Banks about the the fatal accident. The Jay fatal, Banks is one of the council members, right? He's outgoing. Outgoing. He's former. Um, Peace out, Jay yeah. Banks. I, I kind of liked him, though, but like, <laughs> um, so at the thing that really well, growing up in New Orleans, I biked everywhere as much as I could. When I went to LSU, I think I only had a car like one of those years, and I biked everywhere around Baton Rouge. And I was naive back then, and I thought that if I just followed all the rules that I'd be safe, that nobody would, that people would treat me like a car. And for a while they did. And I really think that, like, people say, like, oh, we used to ride in the streets all the time as kids. Why can't we do that now and just be, uh, you know, just not worry about all this stuff and, like. Yeah. But cars didn't, cars weren't built to where, like, their fender was literally at your parallel chest. with your vital organs. But and also like um and to be fair, like tri fatalities have gone down since um when they were kids. But um that's not because of the car build. That's because of laws and, and better design. But um it we used to live in a, a world where we didn't design every everything for um making money immediately like you know like what do you mean oh oh, i know what you mean okay so you're saying it's like if they're gonna put the money into it it's like where are they gonna see the return Is that well what like saying? one time this guy tried to run me over he was a food delivery guy and i smashed his window because he tried to assault me <laughs> oh, God. and i felt terrible he tried to call the cops and they asked me to press charges and i, I didn't uh-huh and I thought about it later and like, yeah, this dude tried to run me over. Yeah. I was following the law and everything. And, um, was that in new Orleans? Yeah. I was on, um, Nashville by Ferret, Nashville by Willow. Um, so dude tried to run you over. You got off your bike, broke his window. I was still on my bike. I just threw my lock at his car cause he was like swerving into me and stuff. Holy. Well, good. Oh yeah. No, I feel like, <laughs> I hope you feel good about that. It makes me feel like a badass. Yeah. But, <laughs> But I felt bad for him. Well, because, sure, but why? <laughs> well, because I don't know. Like he's a he's got like he's delivering food. He's like fifty, and um, so you almost kill a bicyclist because your life is hard. Well, no, but yeah, exactly. But I broke. You know, I just felt bad. Like because now I broke his window, and like I'm a badass for that. <laughs> and he totally had it coming. But and he like, can replace his window. It's yeah, an object. It's not a life like yours is. For sure. Yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah, but God. I mean, it's it his uh, his actions. Whether you know, you know what that's called Charlie. Mine. That's called direct action. Yeah. And you've made a a good change. You think he's ever gonna do that again? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, look at that. Direct action works, y'all. But I feel. I yeah I, that's that is true. I think about that as well. That he, he will not do that again. Yeah. But No, I just felt bad because like he, I, just, you know, when if you're really angry at somebody, it, it's easier to 
not be angry at somebody if you kind of like look at them and feel compassion for them and so i don't know i just felt bad this dude was delivering food and that now he had a big bill that he caused but yeah you know, I, still say, felt bad I, about I know it. what you felt bad about but you don't feel bad about this moving on but dude. the but the fuck that guy <laughs> i don't care fuck but, that guy but the point is i will that, never hear you on this <laughs> but the, but this is the thing with designing everything for um cars for well no for like why we can't have the where we just ride and like why the world isn't like it was when these people who were against bike safety say well we we, we didn't used to have to have all these bike lanes so why we don't live in that world anymore is because, you know, every other driver is literally trying to make money on the street immediately. They're like right. Uber drivers or their food delivery. Or it's just people like going to work, coming from yeah. work, brushing around. Yeah, and it's yeah, that too. But yeah, like, like how much transit would be depleted if people didn't have to commute to get to work or make money? Oh, a lot of. I mean, work. we would all be chilling, right? But like, <laughs> this is one thing where, like, if you're if you're you're being paid for not the hours that you're driving, you're being paid for oh, the work that you do. Don't in the get vehicle. me started on that. So, like, these people see any red light or any pedestrian or anything is like keeping them from making money, lowering their wage, and it yeah. shouldn't be like that. Yeah, that's um, so dangerous. That whole concept is completely dangerous. And it's funny because it's not actually true because um, everyone ends up catching the same red light anyway. And exactly. Catching up to each other. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's, that's the funniest thing. But um, but so that's if we're not going to have the – if we're going to catch up like Europe and them did back then, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to be able to because we – created um a, a far worse world in the last 50 years in terms of economics than we used to have but um just in terms of the progression of <laughs> capitalism but um yeah the downward oh things have gotten better sure but um so but we are no like new orleans is making progress yeah, um, I feel like I yeah. literally can see the progress. I, the, I mean, these protected bike lanes, even the ballers when they look like weird teeth. I mean, they make a difference. They're like a visual reminder to people on the roads that there are other people on these roads that we need to try to keep safe. Yeah. Well, and it's like, so what, what galvanized me after my whole life of like uh, biking and then that dude trying to hit me and all that was that. Um, when did that happen? When did that guy try to hit you? It was right before I started law school. So just and I, I honestly thought I was going to go to jail and not be able to go to law school. Oh, no. <laughs> but so it was 2019 in Demian. I live two blocks away from Conseco's right there. Yeah. And that was where um, the drunk driver oh, killed God. David and Cherie and hit a bunch of other people. That was horrific. Yeah. And so this little bike group that I created on Facebook that was for like talking about how to like get companies how to like contact a company for parking in the bike lane and stuff like that yeah became just it went from like 600 people to like bike uneasy. 1500 yeah so i'm in this group uh it's called bike uneasy it's on facebook it's a facebook group and you are you a moderator you're technically the person who started it huh yeah i made it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so charlie made the group and there's a lot of people in that group and 
it's very active. It is a very, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and this one is super active and you do a really good job like keeping that conversation like productive. Yeah. I gotta say. It's not just me. Well, you have other people in there too. I know Nicole, is she still a moderator? Nicole is still, I don't She doesn't live here anymore. She used to live in this apartment. What? Yeah, she used to live in this apartment. Oh my God. She was my neighbor. Yeah, and when she moved, I started renting it. Oh man. Isn't that funny? I miss Nicole. Yeah, she's she's also a really big advocate for bicyclists. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't live here anymore. But she's also a great person at facilitating those conversations. Yeah, and that's kinda of why I was like, you know, I I can't remove you. You're too So good. like the collectivism of that Facebook. So we were kinda of talking about this on the break where it's like that is a group of advocates, right? It's a group of advocates online that are all have this this shared goal, mission, ideally like theoretically they all have the shared ideals, right? Yeah. How much organizing can you actually do on Facebook? Like Not how much changes like with those conversations just on Facebook? Well, okay. I was about to say not a lot and it's true. You can not do a lot, but what you, you can do enough to where like people will talk about it and people will, you'll get on the local news and they'll be like, Oh, a Facebook group is doing this. Like, and that's cool. Like that's better than nothing. But, um, like, so bike easy who um i borrowed the name from yes yeah, so got their like, <laughs> you did get their permission? I got it. oh yeah, yeah yeah oh wow good job i well, just thought you went for it i i did at first and then i someone was like maybe you should ask them i was like yeah you're right i don't want to get sued <laughs> um so they do they're not a facebook they're a non-profit we're not a non-profit um but like they argue for policy change and stuff like that um, but we're motivated by, uh, a less constructive or less institutional, like desire or, you know, procedural, like we don't go to, well, no, I guess we do go to city hall, but you know, we don't get grants. We don't do all this stuff. Right. So, yeah. um, it's just a like grassroots yeah, but like, so what they can say, oh, we 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 follow all these channels and we're just like, we just post on Facebook. And like, I was like that, I don't want to just post on Facebook. Like, right. especially after that accident or yeah. I couldn't call it an accident after that. Uh, Massacre. Homicide. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, awful. So after that, like I was doing, we were doing a little action, but like, you know, we started like talking and I, I always wanted to move off of facebook and since covid it's been harder right um but you know i I started emailing like uh elected officials and updating everybody on that and organizing like we'll meet up and clean sweep one of the bike lanes and then tag the city and be like hey we did your job pay us oh yeah y'all do a lot of bike lane cleanups not as much anymore because they've gotten better at it really well they got that little machine that that goes out and does it now Oh, i don't know about that they got a little machine that cleans them yeah a little sweepy little sweepy Oh, yeah. <laughs> y'all should get t-shirts made. Little Sweepy on them. Bike Easy named it. Oh, yeah. really? Or they they did a poll. Like you Little know. Sweepy's cute. I think I voted for Sweepy McSweep face. Aww. No, I might have voted for Little Sweepy. They're all cute. You can't go wrong when your name but is you Sweet gotta, Sweeper. <laughs> you have to go for, you know, um, adjective Mick, adjective face whenever you're. Yeah. It's uh, cute as hell. Yeah. That's the cutest thing ever. Um. So what I'm hearing is, is you cause some change. You're doing the work. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like you're a leader. Yeah, I suppose. Full circle. Yeah. 
I what's, just what's your hopes for it? What's where, where do you want the New Orleans bike infrastructure to be in five years? Realistically, five years. I want the city to finish the 75 miles of protected bike lanes that they promised us after David and Cherie were killed. Um, How much have they done? A decent amount if you count the, the West Bank. It's all been on the West Bank, though, almost. I mean, Legion Fields, Galvez, those are all them coming to the East Bank and doing phase two, phase three of it. But they spent so long on the West Bank. And they, like, to be fair, they needed it. Yeah. And But they really couldn't have picked a worse place to do their first project because... That is, in terms of, like, angry people on next door land. <laughs> the West the Bank. The West Bank. I didn't think of it like that before. I'm marrying a West Banker, which I think is so funny. Oh, she's from West Bank. Yeah, she's a good West Banker. <laughs> but, like, these are just angry homeowners who don't want to buy they don't want in front it. of their... Because, they, oh, we have to park slightly further away now. But, um, so it was hostile, and Freddie King the third city council person for district C was originally using all that hostility on the West bank against bike lanes on his campaign. And so we started to get sort of hesitant about that. And, um, it, it so did honestly, so did JP Morrell and JP Morrell. I, we were really upset about that one because like J, we, we always see JP is like this dude, but he's like this progressive guy who's mm -hmm. in the Senate. And, um, and so we started like hitting him hard on this and like, he like texted me and, and Chris, the other, um, guy who does most of like the, he's like the, the, the nerd guy who tell, he knows all about, like, he'll come on here and tell you how, like the percentages that like certain business sectors see increased revenues from putting, you know, bike lanes protected up. bike lanes. Yeah. He's and, like, I've got the numbers to back it up. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And, um, where I'm always like a gut feeling and it's usually right, but he's got the numbers. Um, so we went out to, uh, to lunch with him and he, we were like talking and I love JP now. Like I was yeah, like, was I feel meeting. very good about him, but I mean, you know, he's going to be more, I don't know. He sees it. He sees it. He sees our side. And I think he always sort of saw our side, but when he came out like that, he was sort of like playing to the people, which, right. I mean, I guess, why would I expect any different? From yeah. The it's a politician. Yeah. That's what you're going to get. So we're still waiting for the 75 miles to get finished. I wonder, is there, are y'all have tabs on how many are completed? Is there oh, a yeah, way? You can oh, check okay. It. Good, um, good, good. Moving New Orleans bikes is the sub section of the city. DPW page. That's what's up. Well, we're running out of time, Charlie. Can oh you believe God. it? Can you believe that this has just flown by? No. Is there is there anything we didn't talk about that you're like we should have talked about that? No, just just go follow the Renters Rights Assembly. Go follow Bike Uneasy or whatever. Yeah, be nice to bicyclists. Yeah, do that too. It's yeah, please make room. I mean, there are human beings <laughs> on top of those things. Like. Be kind. Um, so I ask everybody the last, same last question, and I never prepare them, so I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, this, I, you understand the premise of this podcast. I just like to talk to people that are doing interesting things, maybe people that wouldn't otherwise have a platform. Yes. Who's the first person that comes to your mind that I should have on here? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Christ. I you just said your friend Chris. Maybe, is that who? Oh, Chris for... For bikes to oh Chris for sure it could be oh, anything they could talk about anything like who do you think's doing some work that would be good to give a platform to right now after a moment away of wanting to get it right Charlie has his his uh, recommendations for the podcast who do you think should be on it well Mandy Landry Reverend okay Reverend. so who's Mandy Landry 
She's a representative. Oh, okay. She's my friend. Um, but she ran for Walt Leger's seat uh, in the state legislature. And she's the most... Well, it's weird because she was always my friend and we met doing like repo rights stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, she's amazing. Badass. She's, yeah. And she's like the probably the most progressive legislator in the entire state. Well, hell yeah. I want to talk to that person. And then you had one other person. Yeah. I think Frank Southall is... Frank or, you know, I guess if you want to do someone local, someone from New Orleans, Daiquiri Jones, those are... Oh, so I feel like I know Daiquiri. You might know Daiquiri. Yeah, I've Daiquiri seen is about, just somebody who's. I've definitely here, matched with Daiquiri on dating sites. I'm sh- I guarantee yeah. you, you have. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so Frank. I mean, there. I don't want to diminish Frank just because he's not from New Orleans, but he's because he's lived here for like. 10 I interview years. transplants too. Okay, I do. Well, yeah. either one of them. I'm sure one of them wouldn't want to do it. Frank would definitely. What work. kind of work does Frank do? Well, Frank worked. He works for Jane Place Neighborhood Sustainability okay. Initiatives, which is sort of the the hub for giving rise to the Renters' Rights Assembly. All right, they're not affiliated formally, but um, you know, well, hell and yeah. He's I don't know. He's like the he's the one. It's the anarchist I get along with the best in the world. I love that. I'd love to have an amicable anarchist on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was it. So thank you so much for listening. Um, if you watch us on YouTube, thanks for watching. This has been Charlie Shelley. I'm Mary Jacobs. This is Planet NOLA. And be in touch.